All right. Well, we are in our first installment, so if this is your first time with us, this is a great uh, morning to join in. If it's your first time online, so glad that you have. This is a, our first installment of a Christmas series, and so hope that you will stay with us through the whole thing. Um, you know, I think, uh, obviously, for centuries, uh, people have wrestled with this, and, uh, and it's no stranger to my generation um, and all of my years. Um, and I think every generation um, always wrestles with this question of, is the story of Jesus true? Is it true? And I think that's a great thing to wrestle with. And if you've come to the place where you're like, I don't believe that it's true, you know, I'm sure you have great reasons for that. And you're a smart person. And, uh, and if you told me the reasons why you don't believe, you know, I would probably be like, yeah, those are, those are great, great reasons. But sometimes... Sometimes we get confused on the it. Is it true? What's the it? And, and, and for many people, depending on how you were raised and, and, uh, and the, the view that you have, the it for you is the Bible. I was raised that the Bible's not true, and since I don't think the Bible's true, well, the story of Jesus can't be true. And, uh, and, and, and so I just, I just can't go along with it. And if that's your view or if that's the way that you grew up, that is so unfortunate because there, you, you, you need to know this, there was hundreds of thousands of Jesus followers before there was ever a B-I-B-L-E. Did you know that? Before there was ever a Bible, there was hundreds of thousands of Jesus followers. If you grew up and were taught, you know, that, that, that Christianity was born out of the Bible, Christianity wasn't born out of the Bible. It was actually the other way around. The scriptures were born because of an event that happened in history, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And we love the Bible, but it came out of Christianity. Christianity wasn't born out of the Bible. So I don't know what your it is, but I would hope that you would investigate it down to the point and really answer the question, is it true? Now, in this generation, and, and i got to be honest, I did not see this one coming. This one's kind of blindsided me and, and has made me think, man, our mission as a church is so relevant and, and so urgent um, that we get after it because of this question that, that our culture right now is not only asking but answering, is it good? And our culture has tilted to the point that where they would say, it's not. It's not good. In fact, all religion isn't good. In fact, if we would just get rid of religion, that would solve everything. Our, our, our world would be better off if we just got rid of church, we just got rid of all religion, if we got, and including the story and message of Jesus. Not only do we not believe it's true, we don't even think it's good. And that is why we are so urgently on this mission that we are on, because it starts in these, in, in these concentric circles of individuals and families of, of not only believing that, that it's true, but believing that it's good. Because if you believe that it's not good and you're watching, you're like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm not sure that it's, that it's good. You have not experienced, you have not seen the original version. 
Because the original version was so compelling. And see, our nation has gotten to where it is, and I would say our nation is exactly where the church has led it to be, that for a generation, for a generation that we kind of fell asleep and we didn't reach the next generation. And so to reach this next generation and and see them meet Jesus, that's the first part of our mission is to see people meet Jesus and then learn what it is to follow him. And that starts in this concentric circle of of an individual that extends to a family, that extends to children, that extends to a workplace, that extends to a school, that extends to local government, that extends to a town, that extends to a community, that extends to a city, that extends to a state, and ultimately extends all the way out to a nation and all the way out to the world. See, the change that we are wanting and needing so desperately to make, that our culture has gotten to a place where they don't believe that it's good, is a place that has been sown for generations. It has been sown and we have finally reaped our way there. And so if we are going to reap our way a different direction, we have to sow in a different direction. And that's what the the, the crossing is so committed to doing. But it is a generational change. Isn't it true that when you hear news that's not good, you hope it's not true. You ever been there? You got some news. It wasn't good news. You're like, man, I hope that's not true. But isn't it also true that when you hear good news, you hope that it's true? I mean, I don't know that this is true, but man, I hope that's true. That's, that would be so great if that was true. I mean, that is good news. Like, like this, if I told you processed sugars extend life expectancy, that's that's great news. You're like, I hope that's true, right? And beef solves heart problems. That is, that is phenomenal. And salad causes cancer. I'm telling you what, I'm telling you, that would be so great news. You're like, I hope that's true. I mean, never am I going to have to eat a salad again in my life. So I'm just going with that. I'm going with that. But see, when we hear good news, we, we hope that it's true. We lean into it. And when G- Jesus stepped onto the pages of history, the writers described it as good news of great joy. And why was it good news? And why did it bring great joy? Because it was for all the people. It was for everyone. It wasn't just a select few. It wasn't just for the good ones. It was for all the people. In fact, it's fascinating when Jesus kind of steps into his, his uh, public ministry, he says this in Luke chapter 16, verse 16. Jesus says, until John the Baptist, the law of Moses and the messages of the prophets, this is, this is his way of saying the law and the prophets, we would call it the Old Testament. It wasn't the old anything to them. It was their ancient Jewish Hebrew scriptures, okay? So this was their, their Bible. The law of Moses and the messages of the prophets were your guides. In other words, it was good news. The, the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, that was good news to ancient Hebrew people because they came out of, of slavery, no laws, no direction, 
No idea what true north was. I mean, had no idea what God expected. They had no idea what God was like. They had no idea what the law was. And a lawless nation is not a fun nation to be in. So it was good news of great joy to the Hebrew, but it wasn't good news of great joy for all the people. It was great news for the Hebrew people. And that's why Jesus, he transitions right here. In other words, before John the Baptist was the law and the prophets, was, was this old covenant, but I'm introducing something brand new, this new covenant, but now the good news of the kingdom of God. It's a kingdom of conscience. It's a kingdom of the Spirit. It's not a visible kingdom. It's not a brick-and-mortar kingdom. It is a kingdom that, that operates in the hearts of people is preached, and everyone is eager to get in. When people hear the news of Jesus and who he really is and understand who he really is, in the original version, you couldn't keep people out. They were eager to be in. It was good news. And people leaned in. So if you're here this morning or if you're watching online and, and, and you, you would think it's, it's not good news, see? And it's not good news to me because, you know what, I, I, I was raised by a version of, of what you would call that good news and it wasn't good news or, you know, I have bumped into some people, I worked for maybe some people, you know, maybe I've had some people who worked for me that, you know, they thought they had some good news and, it, and, and I'm just telling you, it's not good news. And if you're in that boat, you just need to know, perhaps the version you walked away from wasn't the original version. And so what I would like to do this morning is, is just kind of tease out this original version, because I think it's unbelievably compelling, and it's unbelievably good news. Luke started his gospel, which gospel, I don't know if you know this, gospel means good news. They didn't know what to call it, so they just called it good news. It's good news. And it's such good news, you should lean in. And it was such good news, Luke said, many, the first word of his gospel, many. How many is many? I don't know. What are we talking about? You know, is it the number of children that you have? Is, is it the stars in the sky? Some of you think many is two kids. Some, like, just keep going on and on and on. You know, I don't know. But what is many? How many is many? Many people, Luke says, have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. Many people. And you need to know in the first century, this is extraordinary. In the first century, it was expensive to write. If you were going to have your story written or a story written about you, only the rich could afford to do that because you would hire a scribe to actually, and the, and the utensils to actually write with were expensive, and, and you would hire a scribe to write your story down and then you would edit it because, after all, you hired the person to write about you, and so they're not going to write anything that was really bad, write about you, and so, you, you know, you, you wrote about you, and, and the stuff that we 
can read from the first century was from rich people who had scribes written about them, and man, they were extraordinary people. Unbelievable. You know, they just seemed to not have anything wrong. What's unbelievable about Jesus is other people wrote about him. He wasn't even there. He didn't hire anybody. In fact, he didn't even write anything. Other people wrote about him, and Luke says many people. It wasn't just a couple people. Many people wrote about him. I mean, that's extraordinary. Let me tease it out this way. See, in our day and age, it is inexpensive to, to write you know, a biography or to write a story about someone else. I mean, you, you can type it out on the computer. It's pretty inexpensive to go through that process. Anyone could go and write a story about someone else in this day and age, and it would be no problem. But let me ask you this, and, and I, I, I certainly don't want to offend you, but um, if I asked you how many people um, will set out to write the, the, you know, the, your story, if I asked you, you know, how many people will probably, you know, set out to write your story, how many people would it, are, do you think are going to set out? And I can answer this question probably for you. Not many, right? I mean, when I think, who is going to sit down and write the story of Eric Most? <laughs> not many. Not, not many are going to set out to write and record. And it's so easy and inexpensive to do. And so, the fact that we not only have one account of the life of Jesus, which would be extraordinary, Luke says we had many people, and we and four of those, four of those accounts actually survived antiquity, and we get to read the stories of Jesus from four different accounts. It's phenomenal that we have that. And why so many? Why so many set out to write about a guy who wasn't even physically there anymore that didn't seem, he's not going to gain anything from it. Why so many? Because something significant happened. Something good happened. And so Luke records in chapter 1, verse 1, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used eyewitness reports Luke just says, hey, you just need to know they, who's they? They is the many. And they included Luke. That, hey, it wasn't just stories from stories. It wasn't stuff that was handed down a couple of generations. Luke's like, no, no, no. This information came from eyewitness reports. In other words, it wasn't written hundreds of years later. This was written when the eyewitnesses were still alive. It's like, I'm not sure that's true, Luke. Well, hey, you just need to go talk to so-and-so. They're still living. They were there. And so Luke went around and went to all of the eyewitnesses and got the story firsthand from them. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning. Now, there were, what's the beginning? The beginning of Jesus' life. 
Luke says, I went all the way back to the beginning and I carefully investigated all the way through and I meticulously wrote down from eyewitnesses an orderly account of the life of Jesus from the beginning. I also have decided to write a careful account. I also, what do you mean I also? I, along with many others, have decided to write a careful account for you, most honorable Theophilus. We don't know exactly who Theophilus is, but our best you know, report is that he is a, obviously a Jesus follower who wanted an orderly account from the beginning of Jesus' life all the way through to his resurrection. And he wanted kind of a, a timetable of how those events took place. Luke says, so you, I meticulously, carefully investigated and wrote this, this story of Jesus so you can be certain of the truth. You can have confidence that what I'm writing down is true, that it's actually happened the way I'm writing it down. So that you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. So if you're in a place this morning and and every generation goes, goes through this and wrestles with, is it true? That is a great place to start. And, and I hope that you understand what is the it that you would actually nail down. What is the it that I'm trying to identify whether it is true or, or not? And then you would actually investigate, you know, is it reliable? Are the reports and the things that I am reading reliable? And can I take them at face value? Are they True. The other part is, is it good? Is it good? And if it is good, how good is it? If it is good, how, how good is it? It was so good that Jesus announced forgiveness of sin beforehand. Jesus risked announcing forgiveness beforehand. So incredible. So, um, some of you that grew up in the church and you, you're Bible people, you, you may remember this story about when Jesus um, is in this house and the house is just jam-packed full of people. In fact, it's spilling out um, all the way around the house and some guys uh, get word that Jesus is at this location. They have a friend who's paralyzed, so they put this guy on a cot and they're wheeling him over there and they get to where Jesus is, but the crowd is so big and it's so uh, dense, they can't get this guy in to where Jesus is. And so they go up on the rooftop of this guy's house who's hosting everyone. They drill a hole, they poke a hole down through the, the roof, which I'm sure the owner of the house is like, great, what kind of party is this? You know, I'm losing my roof. And, and they lower this guy down in front of Jesus. <laughs> And so just picture this. You're laying on your back in front of Jesus. What is it that you're hoping Jesus is going to say? Jesus looks at the guy and says, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> to which I'm sure the guy looked up at Jesus and is like, that's not why I'm here. Right? I, I, did, I didn't come for forgiveness of sin. We already have a very sophisticated system for forgive, you know, forgiveness of sins, and, and I didn't really come for that. 
And now the religious leaders who are around Jesus in the house, they are mad. How dare Jesus tell this guy his, his sins are forgiven? You can't forgive. Only God can forgive sin. And Jesus' response is extraordinary. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Only God can forgive sin. But only God could say to a man, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And Jesus declares that there is forgiveness that is going to be available for all the people. Not just the ancient Hebrew people, but for all the people. That, my friends, is good news. And that should make us lean in. Now, you might be in a camp where you're just like, well, that might be good news if you need forgiveness of sin or if you, you know, believe in this category of sin, but I just don't believe that. And Eric, I, you know, I don't think I need forgiveness because I don't do sin, I don't do guilt, I don't do shame. I don't do those categories. I just don't do those categories. And, and yeah, if you pressed on me, I'd be like, yeah, I mean, I, I've made some mistakes, but sin, that's a little strong. You know, and I think I can make up for my mistakes. So your whole thing of good news to have forgiveness of sin, I just, I just can't go with that. And maybe that's where you're at. And if you're watching, maybe that's where you're at. But here's where I would kind of press in on you. It it might be that that's where you've you've come to, and and because you misunderstand Jesus's definition of sin. See, sometimes we think sin is is I've done something so bad that I made an angry God angrier, and he's just angry at me. And, and that's not Jesus' definition of sin. Jesus' definition of sin is, have you hurt anyone? Have you hurt someone else? In Jesus' view, that's sin. And I would imagine all of us have hurt someone else. And we've hurt someone else that Jesus loves. We've hurt someone else that our Heavenly Father loves, who created in His image. Isn't it true? We all fall short of our own standards of how we should treat others. I have a standard of how, you know, I, I hold myself to the standard of how I should treat others. I can't, even reach, I can't even reach my own expectations, but alone God's. I mean, and a little later on, we're going to talk about some of the things that, you know, if you're going to follow Jesus, he's going to say, hey, this is what I want you to do. I mean, I'm nowhere near that. I can't even... I can't even reach my own expectations of how I should treat people. And Jesus just says, that's sin. But you know what? I'm going to announce forgiveness. That forgiveness is available to you. That, my friends, is good news. So how good is it? How good is this good news? 
Jesus invites us, and this is extraordinary. Christianity, which I, I don't even like the word Christianity. I, I like following Jesus because you can make Christian mean anything you want it to mean. But following Jesus, it's the, it's the only place in all of the religions of all the world that you will ever find this. Jesus invites people to belong before they believe. It's extraordinary. No matter where you are at, no matter how dark of a hole that you are in, and you think God is angry at me, and there's no way in the world that I could ever, ever, ever have God on my side again. It's too late for me. I have done too many bad things, and I, I just, I just... There's no way God could ever forgive me. And maybe you're just like, you know, I, it's not something I've done. It's just, man, I was not raised in that. And I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm too far gone. I'm just too far gone. God's not going to reach out to me. And God extends this invitation to say, hey, I want you to follow me no matter where you are. And you know what? You don't have to clean yourself up first. You don't have to clean yourself up first. You don't have to get your act all together and then come to church. You don't have to get your act all together and then come to me. I'm going to invite you to begin to follow me wherever you are at. I will take you right there and then I'm going to love you enough to challenge you to take steps forward. I'm not going to just love you right where you are and, and, and not challenge you. That actually wouldn't even be loving. So I'm going to love you, but I'm going to allow you to belong before you even believe, and I hope that you'll come to a place where you'll believe, but even if you don't, you just need to know I still love you. That's extraordinarily good. And we know this because of the story of Matthew. Matthew was in this category where the rest of society hated him. He, he was like, you, you have anyone in your life where you like, I just don't like them. I, don't, I do not like them. I don't want to have anything to do with them. That was Matthew. He was in that category. And when Jesus met Matthew, the rest of Jesus' disciples, they're coming along behind him. And Jesus walks up to Matthew and says, Matthew, I want you to follow me. <laughs> the rest of the disciples... What? No, 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 no. No, no. No, we don't like him. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't want him in, no, 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 no. Jesus, that's not how this thing works. See, we get all the good people and we kind of rally them up, but, we, you know, all these people we don't like. <laughs> we don't, they can't belong. They don't belong. And Jesus is like, no, Matthew, hey, I'm going to invite you to follow me. Why Matthew chose to follow him, I don't know, and someday I'm going to ask Matthew this, but this is the best guess that I can come up to, come up with, because Matthew was a tax gatherer, and he kind of had this pyramid scheme going on, and he was kind of ripping his uh, fellow countrymen off, and it was great financially for him, and, and he kind of had this whole thing going on, which is why everyone despised him and didn't like him, and he probably thought, Man, I know who this Jesus is, and Jesus has invited me to follow him. And, and the word on the street is Jesus is, is doing, it's like they're, they're magic tricks. It's like he's healing people. So he must have, either he's got it in good with the gods, or, or you know, he's got some kind of magic power. And you know what? In my scheme, 
that could come in handy. I mean, so yeah, Jesus, I'll follow you if you'll do something for me. And Jesus is like, hey, that's great. I'm, I'll tell you what, I'll go to you, uh, let's, let's go to your house tonight. Invite all your sinner friends. To which Jesus is disciple. are you kidding me? We don't want him, but alone his sinner friends. And so that night, they're over at Matthew's house, and the rest of the Jesus' disciples, they're in the cul-de-sac because they ain't going in the house. They ain't going to go in the house because I'll be so ceremonially unclean, I'll never be clean again if I go in there. So I'm going to stay out in the cul-de-sac, along with all of the religious leaders who are kind of keeping an eye on Jesus and what he's doing. And so pretty soon, Jesus is in there with all of Matthew and his sinner friends, and, uh, and, they, and, and religious leaders send someone in to ask Jesus, Jesus, how could you possibly eat with such scum? That was their question. Jesus' response is extraordinary. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous. In other words, I have not come to call the self-righteous. I've not come to think to, to, to I have not come to call those who think they kind of have it all going on. They've got it all figured out. They know all the answers. Thank you very much. You know what? Do you know how much Bible I know? And I could, you know, come over to my house and I could probably, you know, spout off some stuff for you and stuff that I've memorized. I'm I'm really I'm really kind of pretty good. And someday I, I doubt it. Someday you might get to where I'm at and the level that I'm at, but I tell you what. And Jesus is just like, hmm. I haven't come for them. They already kind of must have already have it all figured out. But I have come to call those who know they are sinners. I've come for the honest people. I've come for those who know they fall short. And there is nothing that they are going to be able to do to make up for the shortness that they have fallen. That they need a Savior. They, they need someone else. Jesus just says, I've come for those who know they are sinners and need to repent. This is extraordinarily good news. I've come for those that, that want to see the world a, a completely different way. That they would have their thinking and their their priorities and their convictions completely changed, that they would see the world and they would act on a world in a completely different way. I have come to change people from the inside out. I'm not interested in people who just believe but don't want to do anything. I don't want to come to just people who want to believe something, but they don't want to do anything. That they put on this facade that's out here, but the inside is rotten. Jesus says, I've come for those that look at the side and they're like, whoa, that's pretty rotten. And I'm going to change them from the inside out. That, my friends, is really good. How good? <laughs> How good? See, <clears throat> you follow Jesus, and, and this is where most people stop. They will learn to be good. But my friends, if that is where you stop, 
unfortunately, that has led to where we are in this nation, where Jesus followers have been content to believe something, and they have been content to try to just be good, but they are not interested in doing anything. And Jesus just says, man, if you understand the level of good that I'm going to lead you to, it's unbelievably good in a society to not just be good, but to do good. In Luke chapter 6, verse 27, Jesus, do good to those who hate you. Say, what? No, 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 that's not, that's, that's not the game plan we run. That's not, that's not the version that we go with. Jesus is like, that's not the original version then. Verse 28, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. It's extraordinary. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, what credit do you get for that? Everybody does that. Even people who don't follow Jesus do that. That's the system we work in. If they do good to me, I do good to them. If they don't do good to me, I don't do good to them. That's how it works. And Jesus is like, I'm calling you to something different. Love your enemies. Do good to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will be truly acting as children of the Most High. You will be acting like your Heavenly Father in heaven. (laughs) For He is kind. He's kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. My Heavenly Father has been kind to me. And I have been ungrateful. I have been guilty of being ungrateful. And he has been kind to you because you are guilty of being... Just kidding. He's been kind to me because I have been guilty of not only being unthankful, I've been wicked. That's a strong word, and I am guilty of it. That's why this is good news. It's extraordinary news. And that's why I would say to you, if if it's not good news to you, that we would have a society that that would be filled with forgiveness of sin, and no matter what you have done, Forgiveness is extended to you. It's it's available to you. That Jesus will take you right where you're at, no matter what it is that you've done, no matter what your past is, no matter what the skeletons are in your closet. And then he'll call you to live in a society that has this level of good. How is that not good? See, the original version of the story of Jesus, it was not only true, it was extraordinarily good news. It was extraordinarily good news of great joy because it was for all people. 
So crossing, <laughs> we have an opportunity to live in such a way that we would model this, that people would watch our lives and be like, I don't know, but I believe that it's true, but oh my goodness, it's good. It's good. If, if, if following Jesus looks anything like the way that you live, sign me up for that because that's good. And I'm going to lean in and see if I think it's true. May that be said of us as a church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> thank you for loving us when we fall short. And oh, how short we fall. And Jesus, you invite us to, to step into a relationship with you that extends forgiveness of sin. And yet you love us enough not to leave us there and you're loving enough for us to even face very difficult things to break us so that we are vessels that will be used by you. And God, sometimes the process of breaking our pride, ooh, it's an ugly process. But God, thank you for loving us enough to invite us in to a relationship with you. God, I pray that um, in this Christmas season, we would just lean in to the fact that this is good news. That we would rest in the fact that it is good. And I pray, God, that it would exude out of us throughout the week in our marriages, with our kids, to our coworkers, God, in our towns, in our communities, in our cities, in our state, in our nation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We uh, are here with Pastor Eric, and I just have a couple of questions for him. Uh, the first question I have... Um, you were talking about the truth in the Bible, and you were challenging us to um, look into that yeah. and uh, investigate that. And so, where does someone start? How do you yeah. so, dig in? One, there's, there's tremendous resources that never used to be available because of the Internet. That's, a, that's a, a, an awesome place. But I think the best place, you know, if you're going to be able to... Uh, get plugged into a church where you can investigate whether something is true. And even if you are in the beginning where you, you've stepped over the line of faith, but you just, you just need a foundation, either place that you're at, we do a short-term group called Starting Point, and it is, that's exactly where it's at. It is a safe environment for people to explore faith and build a foundation and out of Starting Point there's, there's a, a great place to not only learn a little bit about what the background of the Bible is, but then next steps um, beyond that group. So that's a great place to start. Is that something that's only offered in person, or is that something that is offered? Yes. So we do it in person, um, and 
and we'll do a short term. It, it lasts about eight weeks, and then we'll rotate out of it and rotate right back into another starting point. So if that's something that's of interest to you, we're in the middle of a starting point group right now, and so when it ends towards the end of January, we're going to be starting another one. So, Perfect. Yep. So what do you say to somebody that um, has had past experiences with religion and it has left them to believe that the church and Christianity isn't good? Well, first of all, if you're in that boat, you're in that camp, I want to behalf of Jesus followers everywhere say we're sorry because you bumped into a version that was not the original version. And, uh, and, and all I can say is I would encourage you um, to seek out a healthy community of Jesus followers. Um, whether that's here at the crossing, which we would love for that to be, or whether that's somewhere else, but I'm telling you, if you can be a part of a really healthy community of, of other Jesus followers, there's, there's just no other place, there's nothing like it on planet Earth um, to be able to walk with some other people who exhibit the values and the convictions and the priorities that Jesus has. It just brings about healthy relationships. Um, so, Absolutely. I think that's all I have for you. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week. Yeah.